Welcome to 501c3 BS, the programming for organizational growth. Sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at the California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics. This season, we are busting this 10 minutes at a time with a short 10-minute podcast. It could be a board member or an inexperienced CEO of another organization that does it. You mentioned in a meeting, networking event, or training that you are partnering with another community benefit organization on a program. Their face looks like you just farted on their white silk couch. Why would you do that? They would say. Aren't other nonprofits our competition? We're competing for the same pool of funders. Anyone who would make this statement would not use the term community benefit organization. It's not hard to figure out why anyone would think this. It doesn't make it any less of a heaping pile of bullshit, but it's not hard to figure out. It's been drilled into us since we were kids. The corporate model, supply and demand, competition makes for more highly evolved animals. It's survival of the fittest. Only the strong survive. Competition, capitalism, and the American way. I can almost see a superhero on top of an Art Deco building now with his cape flowing in the wind. It might even seem to make sense that there is a limited amount of funding. You've heard me say before in this podcast that a new CBO is born at a rate of 5% each year and funding generally shrinks by 5% each year. So why would we work with our competitions? Certainly, if there is less competition, there is more funding for us. This would be the corporate way of thinking. But this is where we part ways with the corporate model. This is where we put the community benefit in community benefit organization. The truth is, 20% of all organizations in any given community get 80% of all funding. Is it the CBOs that are small and squabbling for crumbs? No. It's the 20% that are sharing 80% of the community's money because they are actually benefiting the community. Wow, go figure. Funders are constantly polled and asked what they are looking for when funding organizations. The number one answer, collaboration. Now picture that you are a large community funder with $2 million to give away in 40 grants of $100,000 each. You really want your money to make the most impact. You get 200 proposals for the money from organizations all over town. You didn't even know 200 organizations existed out there. The first thing you will do is weed out all the organizations that could never do something great with the money because they're too small, unorganized, or badly managed. Now you have it down to 100. You know that 20% of the original 200 are large organizations with the capacity to do the work and the track record. That's your 40 organizations right there. So if you just take them, you can stop right now. But honestly, only 30 of them are really great proposals. So you put those 30 in the wind column. Now you have room to fund 10 organizations that may never have had major funding before. And how will you pick 10 from the 60 that remain in the pile? First, you'll look and see the truly great proposals. Second, you will see if they are strengthened by collaboration. One CBO may not have the capacity to pull off a $100,000 project when their entire budget for a year is not much more than that. But if they're partnered with another CBO of the same size or larger, not only will they have the capacity, but they'll have less risk of failure because of the safety net that collaboration brings. Of the 60 remaining in the pile, only 12 have the capacity to do the project, and only 10 are collaborating in a meaningful way that strengthens each group. The verdict? You found your 10. You get the satisfaction of helping 30 great organizations doing great work, sending a message to 10 of those large organizations that are falling down on the job, and bringing 10 new projects, helping at least 20 smaller organizations, because they're all in partnerships and collaborations, into the fold, helping both them and the community. Now you deserve a drink. Go get yourself one. 
While the funders are going through this process, seeing strength and collaboration, there are 150 of the original 200 applicants swallowing all the bullshit, thinking that everyone else is their competition. And there were 40 large organizations that knew better, and only 20 small ones that worked together on 10 applications, figuring out that a high tide raises all ships. In reality, strategic partnerships between CBOs can lead to some pretty great things. I teach a class about it. In my last position, a place where we increased the budget from $430,000 to $1.5 million in the middle of a recession, we did it through establishing 65 different nonprofit partnerships with other organizations. About a dozen of those were arts groups that we could have easily perceived as our competition. Instead, we partnered with another cultural center in the area that led to a contract with us to curate their exhibits when their curator left unexpectedly. We also, eventually, created their education programs under a grant. One ballet folklorical group in our area provided concerts for us, and in exchange, they split the ticket sales, and that gave them thousands each year to pay for their costumes. We worked with the Storytelling Guild, the Puppet Guild, dance companies, school arts groups, and many others. This led to our site being considered the hub for the arts in the region, while these organizations grew and prospered. We also partnered with homeless shelters, a battered women's shelter, foster care and gang programs, as well as churches, mosques, and a local synagogue. Each of these partnerships led us to forge our identity and brought funding for our mission as well as for the partners. There were a few quote-unquote nonprofits in town that avoided collaboration, and their budget fell or stayed about the same as ours and our partners rose. After a few years working with shelter partners on arts programs, we decided it was a shame that so many girls in our shelters would not get a quinceanera. This is a big deal in Latino culture, a kind of debutante ball. It's not just a chance for a girl to dress up. It also teaches etiquette lessons, proper ways to eat, speak, and talk to others, as well as makes them feel their own importance as the center of attention for one night. These were things we wanted for these girls. There were many coming-of-age type programs for boys, but very few for girls. We decided we would host a group quinceanera for 25 girls from five local shelters. Each girl would get nine guests they could invite, and we threw a big party for 250 people. We got everything donated through our networks. Every shelter provided a volunteer for the committee. It was one of the most fun and rewarding programs I've ever worked on in my career. Funders in the area noticed the great event and the collaboration between our groups that often compete for funding, which made for a reputation among funders that we were great to work with and very collaborative. A filmmaker pitched a documentary on the Quinceanera experience to HBO and approached us about filming ours, but we couldn't allow the girls, many of whom were wards of the state, to be photographed for privacy reasons, so we had to decline. But the fact that the word was getting out about our program made us proud. Projects like this make the sense of community that is why we do what we do. We made the community better, and that is what it is all about. I want to thank you for taking the time with us on 501c3bs. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3bs, my webpage at zootvelasco.com, and my book, The First 100 Days, on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choral group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS.